I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, at NFL on Twitter, and of course follow the group at UK Packers. And as usual, for this, for, well for every podcast episode, but certainly this Thursday night into Friday morning episode, it's the all-time UK Pack team. It's me co-host, it's me old buddy, it's me old pal, it's at Ryan Peacock NFL. How are you, Ryan? What's going on, buddy? Uh, I'm having a, I'm having a good day today. It's been a busy first week back in work, so tired out, but it's always a good day. Um, this one tonight, every week we say it's going to be the hardest one. <laughs> it's going to be the toughest one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we decided because I was, you know, because I decided to take some annual leave away from UK Packers. Uh, I suggested to Steve today, let's not just do running back tonight. Let's include the fullback as well. So made it doubly hard for us and double the amount of time spent trying to figure out the, well, is there any way to get this right? I don't know, but trying to figure it out. And um, yeah, this should be interesting, but it's going to be very, very hard. Well, I've got a specific formula I used when I was doing my research for it and I was looking into people. And, I, you know, you kind of look at it and go, well, he has to make the list. And if he has to make the list, well, then the only other choice is this. That's kind of the way I solved it, but... Uh, I kind of want to, I kind of want to be the the Packer hipster and pick a different guy than who everybody else is. Um, Do it. Expect them. You could always create a player. Just just make one up. <laughs> Look at it. Look at it. The other side. Yeah, the scrutiny is tough. The scrutiny is tough. Uh, so anyway, right. I think off the bat, right, is what you were saying at the at the sort of pre prod, right, is that you were looking at fullback, halfback, running back, fullback in today's world. It's not the same. Mm. Or is it? So this is the thing. Well, let's let's let everybody make their minds up. The, the way I think about it is, if you go back in the day, all the way back to your forties and your fifties, and and so on, uh, and the sixties teams, players were called fullbacks, but they were still running the ball for the majority of the time. I mean, if you look at, I think they called Jim Taylor a fullback. Yeah. But he's like. You you would class it for me anyway. I would look at him and go, well, he's a running back. He played running back, mm. um, and I'll compare that to somebody who was a genuine fullback, uh, and that guy's William Henderson. Mm. Now, if we look solely at Will Henderson's stats, it doesn't suggest that he would get anywhere near our all-time team. Yeah. Uh, when you look at something like uh, twelve years, I think he was with the Packers, four hundred twenty-six yards and five touchdowns. Somebody began to be, how? Well, you know, the fullbacks of old were running the ball as much as the running backs were. Um, whereas, obviously, as the fullback position changed through time, uh, it became more of a blocking guy, um, an oversized running back or an undersized lineman, but somewhere between the two that would smash holes in the defensive line, try and get out, smash a linebacker and create lanes as well as the offensive lineman mm. uh, for the running back to run through. So, for me, I was trying to figure out I was trying to class all those old guys, even the ones they called, because I think Clark Kinkle's another one. You know, Kai, that yeah. they were calling fullback. Um, you know, real, real tough guy, and some really interesting quotes from some of the guys he played against as well, which we might discuss later. But he is another guy that's got a bunch of yards, and, he, you know, is he running back, is he fullback? Whereas somebody like Will Henderson, somebody like John Kuhn, and, and you modern day sort of Aaron Ripkowski, although he started to run the ball a bit more last year. These guys were or are proper fullbacks. 
So for me, it's trying to determine which players go into which category. Well, I'll tell you how I did it, right? And again, this is something that we promise each other. And we talk a lot, sometimes about non-packer stuff, sometimes if you're top off. But we, we talk a lot. But every, one thing, day, every day before bed. Every day before bed, right? We have a cuddle. But um, our partners think we're super weird, don't they? Anyway, um, so the thing is, right, is the way I looked at it, the way I looked at it was, I'm going to leave that in, I'm not editing that out. Um, the way I looked at it was, is that the, like we picked Bart Starr to be our all-time quarterback, if you look at the league now, Bart Starr is not my quarterback in there. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers, right? Because keeping the football is paramount. Uh, Brett Favre was durable and all the rest of it. Uh, but he had, obviously, the you know propensity to throw interceptions. So I would pick Aaron Rodgers all day. He's the most accurate and all this type of gear, right? So if I was to go nowadays, I would have picked Aaron Rodgers. But it's all time. And with all things taken into account, we settled on Bart Starr. So that's what I'm going to do for the likes of the running backs. And that's how I prepared uh, all of my information. What I did was, is I said to myself, I could have John Kuhn in there. Well, maybe not. But, you know, I could have one of the sort of modern fullbacks who is just a guy primarily for blocking. Or I could go and get Clark Hinkle or Jim Taylor on my team. And I'm not passing up the opportunity to have the likes of a Jim Taylor plus uh, more sort of someone who's seen as a more conventional running back like Horning okay. uh, a man green so Rhino I cannot yep. kick to the wayside any of these dudes and I'm going to use a bit of a cheat and get them in there so the two dudes that I looked at was Clark Hinkle and Jim Taylor for my fullback position if we want to start there did you look at, at these two dudes in particular would these be the guys who flagged your bells pulled your whistle Ryan for a, a, <laughs> a fullback spot well I don't think I'd have been doing my research probably if those names hadn't been on my list I mean Jim Taylor, Clark Kinkle, they're two of the more famous names in Packers history. Um, Cliff Christie's written about the both of them are simply asking that question as well, Hinkle or Taylor. So they had to be on our list. Um, they're not the only guys who got on the list. Like I say, I'm still going to go, and I, and I fully respect what you're saying. Look at the guys uh, in, in the sort of time period that they played in mm. and judge them in that way. So I get that. So you're saying, you know, you could have, for example, Jim Taylor and Paul Horning. Yeah. So... Yeah, I understand. Thunder and lightning, baby. Yeah, so I get, I get that. I get what you're saying. I'm going to try and argue a couple of other guys in there, but these two are definitely on there. Clark Kinkle's obviously had the uh, the practice field named after him. Yeah, I think that was by Ron Wolf. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and I think Jim Taylor is the number one back in many, many polls that have been done on this topic over the years. So should be interesting. Yeah, and so I'm going to run down through some stats then of what I uncovered about Clark Hinkle and, and Jim Taylor. I'm going to start with Clark Hinkle because I, I start. I was just thinking shooing Jim Taylor. I kind of had a pick before I went into it and that was a bad way to look at it. And um, When I went in to look at it then and looked at Clark Hinkle and the, and the stats behind it all because I knew he was a beast. Uh, I know he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I knew he was in the Packers Hall of Fame. Um, and I like and obviously the Clark Hinkle field is where you'd recognise the name from. I was like, this guy has to be a bit of a ledge. Now, a bit of a caveat, all right? The stats that I got are obviously from online. I wasn't there in the 1930s or 1940s or back in the day when Jim Taylor was playing in the 60s. So um, anyone who wants to say, oh, you got your stats from, shut your tits. Yes, I got it from online and the history doesn't change. So played for the Packers, 1932 to 1941. And look, the main thing that stands out with this guy for me, Rhino, is, is any picture you see him, he has his mouth open, lips and he has his teeth gritted, and he looks like he is about to eat your face. This guy looks like he's just going to bash through you. 
and he did. There's loads of stories about him. The one that strikes me was the story about Bronco Nagurski, who was an absolute animal. Like, go onto YouTube and type in Bronco Nagurski. He's the type of guy that I don't Huge. know how... Yeah, he's unbelievable. Like, I don't know how anybody would take him down. It's the same as when uh, I met Kyle Rudolph for the Vikings. He's just a massive human being. He's not big as in, like, he's tall and he's wide. He's Everything about him is just bigger. So his finger is, like, you know, twice the size of mine, but looks normal still, but he's just, like, an inflated human being. That's the way Bronco Nagurski was. And apparently, because Hinkle played offense and defense, which is another reason why I like him. He was only five foot eleven and about 14 and a half stone as well. But this guy could hit hard. And people come out then after and said, like, you know, when he hit you, you really felt it. Bronco Nagurski, he was on a different team. He played for the Bears. And when it came to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1964, Bronco Nagurski went and inducted Clark Hinkle into it because of that sort of mutual respect there. Um, Clark Hinkle made the all-decade uh, team in the 1930s. But what strikes me and, and why I wanted to add him onto the list and why I still don't know whether I'm going to go Packers hipster and pick him, Ryan, or go for Jim Taylor is because when he retired, he led the league in rushing. So he had 35 touchdowns. Um, 3,860 or 3,850 depending on what you read I've seen the two of them out there Um, the only person that broke his record was a guy called Stephen Byron and I spoke about him when I was doing the Tony Canadeo history podcast and I sort of highlighted how much of a beast he was I actually gave him some airtime in that Tony Canadeo episode even though it was about Tony Canadeo, just to show how much of a beast he was. But Clark Hinkle, as I said, played offense, played defense. He played linebacker and also played fullback. So he would be my sort of fullback selection. Apparently, he was absolutely sensational as a linebacker. He also played cornerback, I see. And uh, I'm going to stop talking now in a second and on blabbing on. Um, in college then, his coach came out, who was, he was a, you know, sort of college Hall of Famer came out and said that he was the best, I think he called him the best cornerback that he'd ever played with. So it goes to show that he was playing defense as well. He was meant to be one of the best blockers in NFL and, and potentially in the in NFL history, but certainly uh, during his day. Some of the stuff that I read was, is that he scored eight touchdowns in a single game in college and 21 touchdowns that season. Like eight touchdowns in one game, Ryan, is kind of taking the piss. That's the kind of numbers we yeah, put up in flag. You- if you get eight in one game and you only get 21 for the season, I think he took his foot off the gas. I mean, come on, <laughs> you should be keeping them numbers up. Right. Um, yeah, look, those two names, I think probably it's going to come down to those. It's very hard to argue. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to argue for anyone outside of those two names. It'd be hard to choose one. But there are some other names. Um, John Brockington, for example, is a, is a player I heard of. Um, back in the 70s yeah uh, you know he was a guy that had a big impact early on in his career and then sort of um, maybe didn't do so much later on so he's worth a mention but probably that that's that's as close as he gets um, like I said for me as well will Henderson is a guy he's probably the when I started watching the Packers that was around about 99 2000 um, he was the fullback at the time so he was the first look at what for me anyway while I was learning about the game and trying to figure out who did what and who was responsible for what is the first full fullback that I I saw and yeah. watched and um, so for me he, he sticks with me just because he is what I consider a modern day fullback to be but I think you're right you know can you beat out Jim Taylor and Clark Kinkle with that our listeners our followers um, they want to go with I'm sure you can imagine John Kuhn um, and we, we've certainly seen this before when we've done these polls. Um, obviously, 
whether it's the demographic on Twitter or, or Facebook or whatever, the, the, the more modern players um, tend to get the bigger shout outs. And actually 68% went with John Kuhn. Uh, Will Henderson got 21, Clark Kinkle only 6%. Um, but there's one here as well, Jackie Steed, who's uh, been a long time follower. So how are you doing, Jackie? He says 80s stud Jerry Ellis deserves a mention. Might well have been a, f he said, this is the bit I, I must admit, I didn't get a chance to look into this. Maybe we need to. Uh, might well have been a former hunger striker too. What a recovery. <laughs> so I'm not sure. There's obviously a story there and we'll, we'll look into that one, Jackie, or uh, maybe you can tell us. Um, and then somebody backs up your bit down here, goes against my thinking. Somebody says on there, Jim Taylor um, is my pick. He was definitely a fullback, 50s and 60s. Hmm. So apparently yeah. my theory my theory is uh, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, right. But that we, as you said, we've seen it. It's it's that sort of recency bias, and it is like you can see that yeah. you have the affection for it. And we know that some people aren't sort of history nuts like us, where we go back and read the history. There, and I can honestly say, now there isn't a day that goes by that I'm not down reading some type of Packers history going back in the day. Uh, but the number one thing that sort of stands out for me with Clark Hinkle, and I think we should get on to Jim Taylor then after that, and certainly we, we could do an entire podcast on Jim Taylor. And in fact, uh, Clark Hinkle, whose real name is William Clark Hinkle. Uh, was that in the 1940s when he retired he, he hung around Green Bay as most of the players do they kind of stick around and the team was in dire straits financially uh, we've seen what happened and what Lambeau did with the, the training ground and all of that type of stuff and it mysteriously burned down but Clark Hinkle was integral for this sort of movement to get the society and community around Green Bay to front up cash to keep the team going so they had a stock sale in the 1950s um, I don't know if it was actually in 1950, but it was certainly in the 1950s anyway. Um, and he was integral part to sort of whip up support for it. Now, not that I think that the community needed it, but at the same time, I mean, some of the teams back then uh, tended to be a bit sucky, right? So he, he got the team to the community rally around. So that kind of stands out to me, Ryan, is that maybe Clark Kinkle, you know, has a better shout than than normal with the likes of a man like Jim Taylor because the team would not be around had he not done what he did. So would Jim Taylor even be playing for the Packers if Clark Hinkle hadn't have stepped up and got that financial support for the team? Does that make him more important than Jim Taylor? Do we have to look at off-the-field issues? Well, why not? Yeah, look at the whole play. But I think as well, it's, you know, he happened to be around at a time when there was an opportunity to do that bit for the Packers. And it was pretty cool that he did it. But um, does it? Does it does it sway a boot in any way? I don't think it does. I think you know if you looked into any of these more famous players' off-field behaviour or off-field things that they got up to, there's probably a lot of things that went on where you could say that you know gives them the character vote, if you like. Yeah. So I think for me, you have to keep it to one field. But we've got two great fullbacks, okay? Mm -hmm. And I think what I need just to decide now to try and make this decision a bit easier is: are we discounting? William Henderson. Let's just... Has he gone? Yeah. He is for me. He's definitely gone for me and so is all the rest of them. Okay. And so John Coon. So the listeners vote of 68%. An absolute legend. John Coon. He's gone as well. I know I'm making you out now to sound like the bad guy. Yeah. Because I'm getting you to say no. But... Uh, I think so. He's just, gone. Just off that logic. Like, it, for instance, if you are to put up John Coon versus Clark Kinkle, John Coon versus Jim Taylor... I think we'd be nuts if you were to discount them. Now, I know what you're saying. What you could do is, is have John Kuhn as the fullback, fullback in today's terms, <laughs> and use Jim Taylor as the running back because you can say, well, he was kind of playing that role. 
yeah. but no i look the, i tried well i'll put it to you this way right this is how i'll sort of do it so we have a man green paul horning jim taylor clark kinkle that's four we can only pick two does john coon stand up to any four of them I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Look, Dan Weeks, Aaron Cawthorn on Facebook, you're both saying coon all day. Um, Steve said no. <laughs> That's, that sounds like a certain parenting technique when you can say, I'm not saying no, go ask your dad. You know, that yeah. kind of sounds yeah. the same, right? Yeah. Don't, don't, don't blame me, guys. And John, I know you're listening. Um, <laughs> n- not my fault. Not my fault. Steve said no. So, look, let's do it. We've got to get back to Hinkle and Jim Taylor do we look at the stats? Do we try yeah. and get the just look at those stats? Maybe the yards, the touchdowns. Do we consider the time in which they played? Jim Taylor in the sixties obviously had the great and famous Packer sweep. Mm. Do you put down maybe the influence of that fantastic O line of Vince Lombardi? Did that give him more of a step up than what Hinkle had? And therefore did do you know do you know what I'm trying I'm trying to yeah. say? I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. I'm not necessarily saying that's true. Mm. Well, let's look at Jim Taylor then. So he played from the Packers, 1958-1966. Went on to the Saints, but we're not going to talk about that. The same as Horning went on to the Saints. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, One of the toughest players in the league. I know you referred to it at the top of the podcast. We have quotes that we found from Ray Nitschke. We have quotes that we found from uh, Bobby Lane. He went and listed him as uh, pro football's 11 meanest men in 1964 Ray Nitschke has that quote doesn't he that he's the toughest guy that he's ever played against and he never played against him uh, so there's that there's the famous rivalry with Sam Huff that you find in every article that you look up Jim Taylor a legendary shit talker on the field career ending stats 1,941 carries for 8,500 yards and some change mm-hmm. 83 touchdowns 81 of those rushing so obviously two of them receiving uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame 1976 what stands out for me is is that, yes, he was great, uh, but also he suffered because he was under Lyle Blackburn, who we discussed on the History Podcast, Scooter McLean, uh, infamous for having the worst season in Packers history, played under him, poor dude, had a big part play. Then after that, Lombardi comes in, the rest is history. I saw this quote here from Steve Sable as well, and this is kind of a... Uh, so I'll just read the quote. And as you said, we have the Packers suite, but Kramer and Fuzzy Thurston... So Steve Sable said about him, the lasting image, this is about the Giants game where he went up against Sam Huff, quote, the lasting image of that game in my mind is the ferocity and anger of Jim Taylor, his barely restrained rage as he ran the ball. Taylor just got the shit kicked out of him all day long. There was all this trash talking between him and especially Sam Huff. Tons of profanity when they tackled him. I've never experienced anything like that, unquote. More stats about him. First player to record 5,000 plus yard seasons and also it's the messy ronaldo for me is that had he existed in an era where jim brown hadn't he would be unquestionably probably the best running back to ever play in the nfl you know and he'd sort of be lauded more but the fact that he played behind uh or in the same league as jim brown and Jim Brown bet him for the rushing record, mm-hmm. even though he's putting up like I've seen seasons for one thousand four hundred and I think seventy four yards or something like that, or one thousand four hundred and something. He was putting up numbers yeah. like that, and he was getting voted as like MVPs and all the rest. But he only had one season where he bet Jim Brown, and I don't know why, but I think Jim Brown fell to fourth or fifth, I think that year. So right. it's that kind of thing, right? So for instance, if you had Ronaldo or Messi and they didn't play in the same time period, that one player would be the best ever. I get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying, and it's it's a good argument. But 
if you're talking about tough players, and I'm going to go back to Cliff Christie's piece. If anyone hasn't heard of that guy, just go and read any of his stuff. It's all brilliant. Yeah. He's the Packers historian, isn't he? He is, yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, just go and read his stuff. But also, when he can I jump in? I'm sorry to cut across you, but I heard this story. I heard Cliff Christie, or Cliff Crystal, depending on where you read it. He was a famous um, journalist that used to shit-talk the Packers when they were doing poorly. And he was known as one of their biggest critics. But it, because he knew the Packers inside and out, when it came to a time for the Packers to document their history, there was no better person to call than Cliff Christie <laughs> because he knew it all. So they got him in and said, you know, we need you to document it even though you've been a critic over... Like, I think he gave Bart Starr, I believe. Now, I could be wrong, and this is what I've heard, is he gave Bart Starr, I think, a pretty tough time. Which maybe he deserved it as a coach because he wasn't doing too well. But he was the guy that they called up. So... Again, he's not a guy who used to kiss the Packers' ass and he knows all these little tidbits. I think there was an article he had about John Montana and all this. But anyway, uh, sorry for jumping in. That's fine, I'll forgive you. I'm um, just In his piece, he he's talks about Clark Kinkle, as, as mm-hmm. does he about a bunch of other fullbacks um, throughout Packers history. But you were talking about Jim Taylor being one of the toughest players of all time yeah. uh, and making your 11-man, what was it, toughest players team or whatever it was. Um but he has this bit here, and he speaks about a football player, Paul Zimmerman, who was apparently, and, and this, and I'm, ju- I'm just qu- almost quoting direct from, from his piece here. Paul Zimmerman went back to look at film of Nagurski and Don Hudson in a quest to determine how they'd perform in the modern game. Okay, so it's a guy sort of in these day and age looking back at them, um, doing a little bit like what we're doing now. Uh, and apparently what happened was he kept noticing this guy when looking at Hudson, this guy called Hinkle. Um, and he said that, and this is where Nagurski comes back as well, which he spoke about. He said, Nagurski was bigger, but Hinkle was an iron man. He played like a maniac. And better yet, if Nagurski was the toughest bear ever, even some of his teammates said that Hinkle might have been tougher. It's hard to explain, but when Nagurski hit you, it's 240 pounds of power, and then there was a big surge forward. Um, said the late Bob Snyder, the former Bears quarterback. He said, but an old Hink he'd sting you. So this guy was also an incredibly tough guy, but why I sort of alluded to the stats earlier was I think is where the stats might be the bit that swings this towards Jim Taylor for me. Okay. So if you look at the carries, you said that Jim Taylor had over 1900 carries. Hinkle had 1,171 yards over eight and a half thousand for Jim Taylor. Hinkle 3,860. Yeah. The average carry for Jim Taylor, 4.4. For Hinkle, 3.3. And touchdowns isn't even close. Jim Taylor, 83. Hinkle, 35. Hmm. And this is where I'm talking about, where I almost always look back and see Jim Taylor as just a running back. And I don't mean just a running back. I didn't mean that with disrespect, but I don't see him as a fullback. However, I take on your point. Play the player at the time he played. Yeah. And for me, I think just those four very simple stats is what might switch it towards Jim Taylor for me yeah and I think like I love Clark Kinkle and I think personally I love the guy I love as I said the expression on his face I know that's not very scientific or stat based but just that grit you know the fact that he was the only guy as a linebacker who could put down Bronco Nagurski despite being much smaller than him like I really like Clark Kinkle and I'd love to be like Mr. Different and you know pick him over Jim Taylor but I don't think that we would be 
respected or regarded for going for anybody but Jim Taylor in that fullback role, seeing how dominant he was. And another thing that uh, Cliff Christie says, or Cliff Crystal, uh, we need to reach out to him, actually find out how, what his name is, um, is that he says that if you try look at Jim Brown and Jim Taylor when they go head-to-head, the Packers always won, and Cliff Christie puts that down to uh, Taylor just wanting to beat Brown because it was the only time that they go head-to-head. Because you know that, Mm -hmm. Ryan, where you have Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady? It's not. It's Aaron Rodgers versus the Patriots defense versus Tom Brady versus the Packers defense, and it's very hard to compare them, even though we do naturally. And I suppose you can in a way, but that's a whole different debate. And this is similar, but they Cliff Christie says, Taylor outmatched Brown's 16 carries for 72 yards, blah, blah, blah. He goes into the stats. But he says that he wouldn't say that Taylor is better than Brown, but he did beat him in every head-to-head that they had. So, you know, it's two lads who are going, not directly head-to-head, but Air Guy always came out top. So, look, I don't think we can look past Taylor. I think we have to put him in there and we have to look past yeah. Hinkle. I, I think any time you're being compared to, or in, in in this case, sort of being saying, you know, the guy beat him and you're talking about the other guy being Jim Jim Brown. It kind of gives you your answer right there because yeah. any football fan knows Jim Brown. Um, well, you know, there's not many Browns fans out there, especially in the UK and Ireland. I know there's plenty over in America, but in the UK and Ireland, there isn't yet most players in the UK, uh, most fans, sorry, in the UK and Ireland would know who that player was. Yeah. So that tells you just how big Jim Taylor is and what player is. So I think, I think that's our fullback. Yeah. He joins the team. So just when you thought it was all over and you'd done your job for the night, we've got to start looking at running back. <laughs> There's a long one. Hopefully uh, the people along for the rider enjoying it. Do you know what? This one, I'm not going to say it's easy for me, but I whittled it down to two people fairly quick. <laughs> even though even though you came out on Twitter, uh, right, and okay. you said that you wanted uh, Ryan Grant to get a mention, and who got back? I said I wanted him to get a, gr- a mention, yeah. and Ryan Grant agreed with me. <laughs> And he actually corrected me and said it should be an honourable mention. Well, of course it was honourable. Yeah. Um, yes, but he did say it's just a mention. So I think he's saying thanks for the shout out, guys. But I don't compare to some of the more the top names. But no, I just liked Ryan Grant's another guy that for me is just a, maybe a personal favourite. But he, he did certainly do very well. Um, and I think for a long while after Ryan Grant, we maybe struggled to get somebody to really stick at the spot yeah. um, and sort of have the same impact. Um, before that as well, some other guys that I love, Amon Green, obviously everybody knows that guy. Yep. Um, another big favourite, somebody else that, again, when I was better than first become Packs fan, first learning about the game, Amon Green was there. Previous to that, you had Dorsey Levins, who actually inadvertently become the whole reason I support the Green Bay Packers. So yeah, right. got to give that guy a shout out. For those that haven't heard that story, my very first Madden game brought for me by my mummy at Christmas. Uh, had a Green Bay player on the front, um, which is why I went with them on the game. And that player turned out to be Dorsey Levins. So he is the reason I am a Packers fan. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's the shout-outs for me. Uh, for the recent guys, there's plenty throughout history, which I know you've got there. Um, the fans went with, who do you reckon? Uh, Amon Green. I don't think the Amang, been, yeah. They went Amon Green, 45%. And, uh, yeah, why not? What a player mm. he was. So, 
Yeah, and again, I I think there's some recency bias. Bias. I saw an awful lot of people coming in with some eighties, uh, some early nineties guys, and I think that's because, like you as well, Ryan, that when you start watching the game, that's in our round when you came into the whole thing, and that there was some running backs back then that were the offense, like Jerry Ellis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where they're kind of looking at it and going, well, if there was any shining light in the whole thing, it was him or Edgar Bennett, you know. So they look at these guys and go, yeah, you know, has to get an honorable shout out, but certainly can't make the team, right? <laughs> Am I being unfair when I think of Edgar Bennett? Did he not end up with the Bears? He did, yeah, and that discounts yeah. him straight away. So, so for me, he's out. <laughs> <laughs> so no, that is obviously a bit harsh, but yeah, he did go to the Bears, and that is definitely a negative check. So yeah, and all of these, sorry. all of these players like Levens and Bennett and all the rest of them, it seems like that they started off really well and then they just decreased because they weren't durable enough. You know, like they get injured and all the rest. That's the problem with that position, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that happens. I think. I think something like the average is it the average time for a a running back in the NFL is less than two years or something. It's less. I'm than, sure I read that. Yeah, the I may be wrong on Vietnam, that. Anyway, that's for sure. Don't quote me on that one, but it's something like that. Um, yeah. And do you know who I haven't mentioned yet? Tony Canadeo. I know that I did a podcast on him and I really liked him by the end of it. But I think what really struck me about him was he was kind of a jack of all trades. Uh, you know he didn't really stand out as the, the mad running threat i don't think he holds a candle to some of the boys but look ryan long story short i've i've whittled it down to two people and i don't know if we're gonna agree on this so i have to choose between a man green and paul horning or paul Hornung, i should probably pronounce it correctly instead of horning but it's just my irish accent just in case okay so let, in case let Kurt me get this right comes in let me get this right yeah i'm gonna make you sound like the bad guy again you're going to discount Tony Canadeo, who you did a whole podcast on. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you're going to discount that guy. Yep. Is that because he started out as a quarterback and then ended up as a running back? Or yeah, he's, in the, he's in the 1940s all-decade team, the Packers Hall of Fame, the NFL Hall of Fame, and, and had his jersey retired. Yep. Straight away. Played on offense, defense, played yep. as a punter, but he's out. Yeah, even came back from the war, uh, World War Two. He went to okay. go for the birth of his son and ended up pissing off up the Green Bay and playing three games. All of that I understand. I've done the podcast. I've, I've looked into him. But no, he doesn't make it. Okay. Those two guys. So now what you're saying is we've got to put in Jim Taylor's Jim Taylor's teammate, Paul mm-hmm. Horning. Yeah. Or we go with a fan's choice of a mongering. Mm. You really can't lose here. But of course... Somebody will tell us we're wrong. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as they always do. Um, but look, I'm sh- I've showed you my knickers here, right? I've showed you mine, so you show me yours. You know how this game goes. I mean, who have you whittled mm-hmm. it down to with the running back game here? I have a Mon Green. Okay. Surprise, surprise. And I have Paul Horning. Surprise, surprise. Okay. But on my original list, because as I said at the start, I also had Jim Taylor on my as my running back and not right. as my fullback. Okay. Because I went with with the theory I've already explained, I won't bore you with it again because I was wrong. <laughs> so Steve Steve told me I was wrong. See, he does it to me as well, guys. It's not as you know, whatever. It's fine. I don't cry too much about it. No. I've uh, toughened up. But look, so yeah, you've you've you know, told me I can't have Jim Taylor. Fine, he's on the team anyway, so I, I'm going to mm. put that down as a win. Um, but yeah, so for me, Paul Horning, Amon Green, and. Tony Canadeo, but you know you've already struck him off the list, so we've got the same two guys on. So I guess that's easy enough. Yeah. So now we've got to compare these two. 
Um, obviously, Horning, like I've said, back with Jim Taylor, was star in those sort of famous teams back then, among Green far more recently, and one of Brett Favre's most trusted tools on the team. Mm. Um, you know, this is going to be a real difficult decision here. But do you know what I found from doing this research? And again, I go around to all of the websites, and often of them repeat the same stuff because they're probably all gleaned off the same stuff. But I found one article back in 2012 by a guy called Scott Cax which is unfortunate uh, for me because I can't say it and the article is called and the least deserving player in the Pro Football Hall of Fame is Paul Horner do you want me to give you his reasons? I was going to say he must give some reasons for that so he says here's a case against him is that he got too much praise for being at Notre Dame because or Notre Dame depending on who wants to slag me off for my accent uh, and then he says that there were there were kind of the me- there were kind of the media darlings of the time, and he was on a losing team. And I think he's I think it said he's one of the only players to ever win the Heisman Trophy, who had a losing record. So he he played quarterback, mm-hmm. some quarterback, and I think he threw what does it say here, three or three touchdowns and thirteen interceptions. Uh, he led, which led to a two and eight season, but he was still the Heisman winner. And Jim Brown was at Syracuse at the time and came fifth in the Heisman voting. It's a bit nuts. It's a bit nuts. It's unreal. It's unreal. And maybe Andy Monday on Facebook kind of agrees with this guy a little bit because he says, and he, he's not negative on Paul, Paul Horning, I should say this much, but he does say many people will point to Paul Horning as the running back for this team um, because he also had some versatility as a kicker. He says, however, he was a lousy kicker. So I don't think we're allowed to take that into account, according to Andy. Um, But he does mention, obviously, the Taylor and Horning combination being very attractive with a pack of sweep. Yeah. Yeah, there's that that as well. It's the Thunder and Lightning. It's the golden boy. And he was kind of a media darling until he got sort of uh, done for doing that whole gambling thing. But let's not go into that. This, This guy says that, you know, he went from Notre Dame Notre Dame and he was seen as a darling went to Green Bay and Green Bay was the equivalent of that media darling thing where you know it was Lombardi's Packers and Jerry Kramer was on selling cereal and cars and all the rest you know and this guy's an offensive lineman so the whole team was seen as just legendary and great because of Lombardi so he says that he kind of got away with it too because even though because that's what he says he said he wasn't even the best running back on his own team he had to play behind Taylor. So he's kind of saying, you know, he's seen as, a, you know, the guy that makes the, the Hall of Fame. But, you know, he couldn't even beat out the guy in his own team. But I don't I don't think that argument that he says washes because it's Jim Taylor. I mean, the guy was only bet by Jim Brown. So, you know, it, it's like saying, oh, the guy, was like, you know, the, he had Messi on his team and he wasn't even the best striker. You know, and you're kind of thinking, yeah, because Lionel Messi is on the team. What are you talking about? But you still have affection for Paul Horning. I know you have your jersey hanging up in the home office there. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Steve. He's up there next to Jerry Kramer's jersey. So I'm just going to show off now. But on on the other side of Paul Horning is Amon Green. So I've got them both there next to each other, like a homage to Packers' great running backs. Right. So it's a tough one for me. I, I, I love them both. I'm always in love with any of the players off the 60s because I just think it was such a an awesome time to look back at. You know, and it's it would be very easy here to put Taylor Horn in it because it was a real life partnership at the position as well as it being in our all time team. But I I don't know, and it's it's not even so much on the article that you just sort of read, um, sort of saying why he's overrated. I don't agree with that, but that, that was that guy. That's basically what he was trying to say. 
Um, I don't know how do we pick between the two here. I mean, we've met Amon Green personally, mm. uh, absolute gent, really one of the one of the nicest guys we've met, um, and you know he still looked like he could play football right now. So mm. he's pretty cool. Um, Horning obviously I haven't had the chance to meet him um, and haven't you know, obviously get him to see him play but obviously plenty of us have seen the video of those those Packer sweeps as we said earlier and, and, and some of the other plays at the time um, it's a real difficult one for me and we could look at the stats I guess pure numbers and try and do it that way but I think at this stage if I if you were going to tell me now pick one now I'm going them on green yeah so I do have a soft spot for Paul Horning, but I'm just feeling him on green at this point. Yeah, I'm the same. I have a soft spot for him. Uh, some of his career highlights, the stuff that stood out to me was first off, Vince Lombardi said he was one of the, I don't, know, I don't think he used this uh, terminology, but clutch uh, running backs in the NFL. Obviously, he had an awful lot of affection for him. Uh, he won the Heisman Trophy. I know this guy in the article said that he shouldn't have, but I look at that, that he was on a losing team, yet was still deemed good enough to win the Heisman. That's how I would read that, instead of looking at it like, oh, well, he was on a losing team, why yeah. did he win it? Like, Because apparently, sure. like in the article he says, like before, and I think even now, it's a prerequisite that you have to be on a winning team. But, you know, I, now again, I haven't looked into it. I don't know how true that is, and I don't know if anybody else has won it. Maybe some other sort of uh, football anorak out there will say, no, this guy did it as well. Uh, he won the NFL MVP in 1961, so he won the Heisman and he won the MVP, which is pretty rare. Nine years with the Packers, 3,711 yards and has 50 TDs uh, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Again, Vince Lombardi came out and said that this guy was sort of, you know, he was seen kind of a jack-of-all-trades. You know, he played quarterback from his stats in college, obviously wasn't the best, but he set the league record with 176 points in a 12-game stretch. And the only person to break that after that was LaDainian Tomlinson. And he did it over 16 games in two to- 2000. Jesus, I'm sounding really Irish. 2006. <laughs> That's 46 years. It took someone 46 years with four extra games to break that record. You know? So, look, this is a guy who Vince Lombardi still behind. But just looking at pure numbers, a man green broke Taylor's rushing record. And he's, you know, we had him on the podcast, so we've sort of went through his career. Was with the Packers, pissed off to the Texans, came back to the Packers and broke the record. Of a lot of affection for a man green with his on-field stuff. I know there's been some off-field uh, issues that, you know, we won't get into. So, and also, he has six 1,000-yard seasons, which also beats Taylor. So he beats him in rushing yards and he also beats him, um, you know, in those sort of consecutive seasons. I think yeah. we'd be silly, Ryan, to look past the man green. We're looking at I the think, top two running backs yeah. in Packers history. I, I think you just convinced us there when you said that that Amon Green broke Jim Taylor's record. Mm. I mean, we've just put Jim Taylor in at fullback, even though yeah. even though I'm still maintaining he's probably a running back. <laughs> but the fact that he's beat his record mm. that stood for so, so long says to me that Amon Green is the one that wins out. So I think, do, do we have... Do we have a decision? Are we agreeing on that? I think we do. And, you know, we're going with what the people want as well. They say I'm on green. And we know we always talk about the recency bias. But I think the right here... You're just trying to get back into their good books after yeah. mugging them all off earlier, aren't you? Come on, just be honest. <laughs> we asked for their opinion and then we just mugged them off every week. No, fairness, we have went with what they've said. I mean, we did get a lot of votes in. I, well, I think so far we've we've put in a number of players and they've 
they've selected as many as we have this far. I mm-hmm. think it's fair to say. Yeah. So I think this is going pretty well so far, and this team's certainly shaping up pretty good. So I think we've got our decision there. Jim Taylor and Amon Green to be added to the all-time pack team. But we also, remember, we do have reserve spots. So we have a quarterback and a backup. So I suppose it's only right that we have backups here. Am I right in saying that Clark Hinkle should come in a fullback reserve and Paul Horning is the backup then to a man green? Should he get injured or piss off to the Texans again? Well, oh God, I still want to put in a real fullback. Okay. You know, I still love Will Henderson. Okay. And I know he said he didn't get many rush yards, but he had other skills. I'm pretty sure he was a pretty decent receiver at the position. But let me jump in, Ryan. You probably want him because he's the traditional sort of, you know, well, modern traditional, if I can say that. And he's I good just at like big men. But, well, <laughs> you know, that was that was evident over... Anyway, I won't go there. But Clark right. Hinkle was one of the best blockers ever in the NFL because he played linebacker. And this guy could bring down Bronco Nagurski. So right. are you sure you want to go with Will? Or do you not want to bring in... Good old, a different fair, Will, William Clark Hinkle. To be fair, Jim Taylor and Clark Hinkle were very, very close. They were the final two, so I think you're correct. It's it's Hinkle and it's Hinkle and Horning or risk starting this whole podcast again to pick <laughs> up the part. So those are the guys we'll go with at backup. We've got to get the backup position or the second. I like that. I know they like to do that in American sports. The second team, yeah. or the all-time second team. So those guys make that. Okay. Happy with that? I'm happy with that. That was easy, wasn't it? Yeah. Ish. <laughs> Nice. Okay, so bang, there, there we go. So, what position we're going to do next? I think we should bounce back to the defense. Hmm. I like. We've done the defensive line. Yeah, so it has to be line. Well, it doesn't have to be linebacker. It could be cornerback safeties. But I, reckon... I think we go linebackers yeah. next. Yeah. You know my affection for linebackers. This is going to be a hard one as well. Sure will be. I know a certain player that might get just straight in there. There's probably no point in even debating it. And he think he's wears number sixty six. Oh, I'm yeah. sure everyone knows who we talk about. Oh, yeah. So he's probably in there without even having to talk about him. And remember, uh, can I blame this one on you as well? Did you change our defense from a 3-4 to a 4-3 or did we mutually agree on that? Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think we mutually agreed to agree with me. Oh, I all, think, right. Uh... <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, so we've only got three linebacker spots open. Well, two if you take Goodell Ray into the equation. Well, yeah. It, yeah, strictly speaking, there's only two open because Ray's in there. But let's not give it away. You know, we'll have to sort of pretend mm. there's a chance of taking this spot. So that's where we are then. So anything else we need to wrap up? Um, no, I think any other business we leave to the Sunday podcast. Yeah, Sundays. The only thing I do want to say, though, I'm just going to ignore you now. Mm. Um, and the one I do want to say, there's about five or six tickets left on 1919 Club for a Mike Holmgren mm. uh, signed football. And it is an absolute beaut. And... I'm, I'm a little bit... I've got a Mike Holmgren signed football and mine isn't as good looking as this one. It's, it's a huge signature, a really good one. Uh, there's a few tickets left on there. So if you are interested, please jump on it and, and buy a ticket. Yeah. And it's good that you took uh, pictures of the one that were 1919 Club because it might mysteriously get replaced. I was very tempted to just put my one into 1919 and swap it for this one, but I couldn't do that. No. I have no. to be very honest. Not what we're about. So, no. So there we go. Cool. And look, dreams do come true because Dan Barnes won two weeks in a row. So if you're in, you're definitely in to win. But look, that's it. Linebackers next. But before we do that, we have our Sunday night into Monday morning treat podcast for y'all. 
So from myself, at DDDNFL on Twitter, follow the group, at UK Packers, and from me old buddy, me old pal, it's at Ryan Peacock, NFL, it's goodbye till Sunday, Monday. Sayonara. <laughs>